is The Big Show with Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It's Big Show, Jake Scott with you, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk to Frank Dolce coming up here momentarily. Of course, uh, Frank, longtime Utah analyst and former Utah quarterback. <laughs> really? Well, we're 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 chasing. We're trying to get Frank. So we'll talk to Frank in a minute. Uh, we um, back in our Utes and Fifty update. We played uh, Coach Witt's thoughts on on Cameron Rising and what a game from him. Twenty-two of twenty-eight, three hundred six yards, three touchdowns. Uh, of course, played uh, extremely well. Uh, made all of the throws he needed to make. Um, it, it was a much more aggressive game plan, I thought, from uh, from Utah, and he stepped up to the plate. Like we talked about earlier in the two o'clock hour, give Utah a lot of credit dealing with uh, some tough situation, a very tough situation as a team. What are you going to do with that energy? And uh, they were able to parlay it into a really, really special performance down at the Coliseum and uh, beat up on the Trojans. Uh, in fact, let's get out to the Smart Rain special guest line. Utah will be in a drought next summer. Smart Rain knows that 2022 budget planning for most businesses is coming soon. Take advantage of their Save Now, Pay Later promotion and do your part by saving water while saving money. Check Best of State Award winner Smart Rain at smartrain.net. Joining us now, former Ute quarterback, longtime Ute analyst, our friend Frank Dolce. What's up, Frank? Hey, Jake. Good afternoon. Hope you're doing well. I'm doing uh, doing just fine, man. Uh, back at you. Uh, we know Cameron Rising's doing well. What a performance from him! His star is rising, uh, if you will. Pardon the pun, as it were. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's just uh, you know, we we try to we try to make football a lot more than it is. And it's not like it's not interesting football. I think the game is interesting for lots of different reasons, but isn't it just interesting how when the offensive line seems like they got all of their stuff together, then everything else seemed to come together. So all all of a sudden, I mean, I don't know that coach Ludwig was doing much different prior to this week in terms of play calling, but now you know, Jake, or excuse me, uh, Cam Rising has a clean pocket, yeah, and he has time to throw the ball downfield. His receivers have some time to get separation, and he can go through his go through his progression. Um, and then, you know, all of a sudden, you're not getting hit behind the line of scrimmage, or the quarterback's not running for his life. So, I mean, I I just think this is a Utah football team that struggled offensively mostly because they just couldn't get it figured out up front. And then it seemed like they did. And I thought, you know, you mentioned Vele. I I thought uh, Rising had some players that went out and made, made some plays for him. You talk about that separation. I mean, this was, I guess, collectively this was Utah's best game by far. It seemed like everybody was motivated to get out there and do their part. Yeah. I mean, it just, it in the grand scheme, it's, it kind of felt like everything worked out the right way for this one. And who knows what's going to happen the rest of the season. 
but but at least for Saturday night, it felt like you know the stars were aligned for for Utah for for all of the crazy circumstances they've had to had to deal with. And yeah, the young receivers played well. I mean, I I was barely aware of Money Parks until he caught a touchdown pass, which was just the first pass that he ever caught. You know, and Vele we've heard about and he, you know, not that he had a breakout game, but but a little bit. And uh and and then of course the tight ends were as advertised. I think all three of those guys are are really good. Davian Thomas held on to the football. So yeah. you know, it just kinda everything worked out. It seemed like everything worked out well for Utah offensively. And then flip over to the defense, Frank. We had a guy like uh, Mika Tafua, who I think we've all been waiting to to be that next, uh, you know, defensive end in the Sac Lake City saga, and he was really good. <laughs> the continuing saga. Saga, Sac you like Lake that? City. Under yes. underused word saga, I think. I I think we should incorporate it into our daily life much more often. Absolutely. Well. Uh, Minka Tafua was fantastic, and uh, and and he he was disruptive at the line of scrimmage. I mean, that's what we talked about. We, we, could Utah be disruptive at the line of scrimmage on the defensive side? And yes, they were, and a little more aggressive, I thought, in the first half. More timely with their aggressive pressure in the second half, but. Uh, you know, for for a majority of that game, a four man rush was enough to keep USC at bay and to keep guys like um, London in front of them. I think that was another interesting part of this football game is that USC racked up yardage, like they you know they had almost 500 yards of offense. But not there was rarely a big play, and there wasn't you know an, an enormous game-breaking play. Maybe London's touchdown was one, was one, but for the most part, Utah defensively was able to keep USC the Trojans in front of them most of the night. I thought, yeah, I thought so too. It was, you know, it was such a cliche, Ben, but don't break. But I mean, yeah, it it, it, it was that way a little bit. I even saw somebody tweeting, uh, to, tweeting out after the game, uh, what a great game Clark Phillips had, and it was like, well, Drake London still caught the ball sixteen <laughs> times for one hundred sixty-two <laughs> yards. But I, I kind of, in a weird way, get what they were getting at, right? I mean, they well, they didn't get yeah. it didn't get burned. <laughs> it didn't cost them the game. How about that? Yeah, yeah, it's like. You know, you hold you hold Michael Jordan to forty points, and you say, "Man, that was a terrific defensive effort." You know, that's that's kind of how it went. I think London was one catch away from tying the single game yeah. record. Yep, at USC for, for USC, which, which is saying something. Which is saying something. So, uh, but but here, you know what what Clark Phillips III did is he he didn't allow London to get behind him. So he was giving a lot of room, and and London made a lot of money underneath. But he was never really able to get behind Phillips. And then on a couple plays, Phillips made a a critical stop. So uh, it's I'm with you. Like you look at the stats and you say, well, whoever whoever was guarding London, that was a you know 
you got to you're going to replace that guy. But that's not at all the, the case. Yeah. You look at the the way Phillips played that game, and you think that's that's a pretty darn good effort, and that's a, that's a nice execution of the game plan. Keaton Slovis completed 33 of 53. 16 of them went to London. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. That's crazy. And, and he's really good. 33 should have gone to London. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's how it should have gone. That guy is like, uh, he's, a, he's a gamer. Like, he has all of the skills. He's tough. He, he's athletic. He's, uh, he has a great mental attitude and I you know he was he was getting pretty chatty during the game and I I just kind of like that I mean I like the way that he wanted to take control of that football game and and whatever he could do to help his team figure out how to win and you know he just was engaged he was going to go do that this is uh, a complaint that doesn't really matter about USC anymore because they're going to move on. I want to ask you about the Trojans a little bit. But USC had two running backs that were averaging five yards a carry and only gave them 20 carries total. You're USC. You get the best running backs in the country. Why? I, and then you've got Slovis who throws it 53 times for 401 yards, and they got whooped, Frank. I, it's, they, USC's got to get back to doing what they do best. I just think it's a bad match. Like Graham Harrell, nothing against him, but he needs to. That offense needs to be somewhere else. Like maybe in the Big Twelve. Like that. That's the. That's where you you run that that offense. But but it doesn't. It just doesn't seem to fit the 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 USC mindset, the history, the tradition, and and you're right. Like that's a team that should beat up people at the line of scrimmage and average. Six plus yards per carry, and they—I think they have the talent to do that. But it's just—it's not. It's like they're not. That—that's not what they're focused on doing. And and so I, I think that you, you know one of the interesting things about this coaching change at USC is that it I, there's no way that offensive staff survives. Like that's that's going to maybe the first thing that goes. When they when they get a new coaching staff in, I just don't think that offense no. is a fit or a match for for USC. I thought it was interesting. Like I don't know if Malapai was being, you know, disciplined or something, but he didn't play until like the fourth quarter. That's a, that's a guy that like always gives you a thousand percent on any rep, and then we it's like we didn't see him until the the fourth quarter. Was he in like a two point conversion or something? It just he was. He was barely used in that game. The the air raid to me, Frank, and I'll, I'll make a basketball comparison. The air raid is the Princeton offense. You run the air raid in Pullman or in Lubbock or these places <laughs> where it's tough to recruit. You don't run like you don't run yeah. the Princeton offense at Kentucky, where you can get you know that that offense is designed to level the playing field because it's it's a gimmick, right? Your USC, you don't you don't do that. You know, you don't run the triple option at USC. You run it right. at Air Force, right? That's exactly right. That that is exactly right. Like, if you wanna if you wanna incorporate a little more passing game into USC, great. But let's make sure that we're doing that off of play action because you're just dominating people at the line of scrimmage. I mean, 
the student body left, student body right is still the, the formula at USC because they can literally go out and handpick the guys that they want across the country. So, so I couldn't agree with you more. It's a gimmick. It's a little bit of a gimmicky offense in a place where you you just don't need a gimmick offense. No, you certainly don't. Where do, where do you think the Trojans go from here, Frank? I mean, I what type of coach, I guess, not necessarily pit, you know, picking a specific name that's out there, but what if you were making that hire, what what would you be looking for in a coach? Well, uh, Urban Meyer certainly took his name off the table. Yeah. <laughs> in grand fashion. <laughs> I think I mean, that was spectacular. And the funny thing is that people are saying, like, oh, this is all a plan. Like, he's trying to get out of Jacksonville so he can go. There's no way that that's a plan to to have that circumstance and then end up at USC. They, By the way, USC was soft on him anyway because of what happened to him at Florida and at at Ohio State. So, anyway, but I think it's that – I mean, if you're looking for the mold, it's that kind of a – I think it's that kind of a guy. So – um, like tough Midwest, win the game at the line of scrimmage, um, be physically physically better than everybody else, athletically more talented than everybody else, and then incorporate a scheme that just accentuates those those talents. So high pressure, high pressure, athletic defense. You know, a front seven that could probably play on on Sunday afternoons for the Chicago Bears once upon a time, like that kind of group. And then, and then the offense that I think you know the the way that the, the spread option attack that that Urban Meyer ran, I think is a really interesting thing to incorporate into USC. Everybody thinks the spread option is like a passing attack. You know, you spread people out and move the quarterback. It's not. It's a That's a run-based attack. When he ran that at Utah, yep. it was 60% run, 40% pass. And that that kind of an offense that could that, that looks at the personnel up front and the ability to move people around up front with extremely talented running backs and and athletic wide receivers, that seems to be the fit. So uh, I don't know who who are the guys out there. Who are the guys out there that run that type of uh, run that type of scheme? Well, you, I think Luke Fickle is where they'll eventually go because of their athletic director, and I think he fits that mold a little bit. I wonder, maybe go back and, and find a, an old NFL coach like worked with Pete Carroll, and, and we'll transition to talking to, about Arizona State, but, you know, Herm, <laughs> he may be cheating like crazy, but the the message that the program is sending I think is a good one. He's, a, he's an NFL guy. He's got NFL guys on his staff. Go to Arizona State. They're going to show you what it takes to move on to the next level, and that's really what they've sold. You could sell that big time at USC, right? You know, run it like a pro system and and uh, recruit as such. Yeah, yeah. I think Fickle is a good is, is will certainly be in the mix. You're not. What what about James Franklin? Uh, I think that's a guy that might have something to to say about it. Well, he um, wants it. Franklin does, because he put it yeah. out there early in the process. You know, we can tell you exactly where that came from. That came from Franklin. He wants that gig. <laughs> what about the? I mean, there's some talk about. Now I'm I'm blanking on his name. I didn't want to say it, but I'm blanking on the name of the coordinator at uh, at Oregon. Um, 
Oh, there's some talk about him. Maybe it'll come to me in a second. But but that's an I think that's an interesting. You're uh, talking about Joe Moorhead, their offensive guy Moorhead. or their defensive Moorhead. guy? Moorhead. Offensive guy, yeah, 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 yeah. Moorhead. Uh, I think that's an interesting an interesting guy out there. Um, but you you know whatever it is you you like Utah went and found Urban Meyer at at Bowling Green. Uh, and that that worked out really well for lots of people. Uh, but USC is not going to go find the next coach out of the Bowling Green. I mean, they're going to have to go find a guy to satisfy all of the donors and everybody else that already has, you know, some record of success. Uh, so it's it's very interesting to see what's going to happen. And I don't, you know, as much as I I think Dante Williams has a future, I don't think his future right now is with. SC. Well, let's uh, look at this Utah-Arizona State game real quick here, Frank, because, yeah. uh, you know, everybody's bummed. Utah lost the rivalry game to BYU and probably didn't feel real good with the loss to San Diego State. But don't look now. This game is still incredibly important, and Utah is still very, very much alive for the Pac-12 championship. So this, this one, it may look a tad bit different than we thought going into the season, but this is still a huge game. This is an enormous game. It's an enormous game. Uh, so based on the way Utah played against USC and, and looking at the rest of Utah's schedule, there are two games that really give me some sort of heartache. And that, those games are UCLA, upcoming, um, and Arizona State this week. And the, the reason is, like, I, I like the way that these are two, two teams that have some foundation in running the football, they're uh, physical up front. Uh, but they have something that Utah hasn't controlled extremely well recently, and that's a quarterback that can make a play with his legs, escape pressure, find somebody downfield, or just scramble. For, for 10 or 15 yards or whatever it may be. So the mobility of the quarterback is, is a big concern. Like going into USC, I was pretty optimistic because Slovis doesn't present that challenge. Um, and I'm not sure outside of the, the two guys at UCLA and, and Arizona State, Utah's really going to face that that guy. Maybe Oregon, but I don't think that, that the quarterback play at Oregon is very good. So, so this is the one of the two games that really gives me heartache for the rest of Utah's schedule, and it starts with a, a quarterback that's dynamic. Well, good thing the game's in the middle of the night, so that's nice. <laughs> that's that's always really nice, isn't it? When am I am I the only one that, that complains about that? After am I the only one who complains about that, Frank? Dude, when people hear you know yeah. me complaining about late start times, do they just say you know, hey? This is the world we live in. Or people, is that an issue with people? Because eight o'clock, man, that's ridiculous. No, you're you are uh, you are aligned with I would say ninety eight percent of the Utah fan base, and maybe uh, maybe a higher percentage of the football fan base. Well, you know, it is kind of nice, I guess, if you're just kind of a football fan to have the ability to watch games from 10 o'clock in the morning through all hours of the evening. 
But if you're a Utah fan, that's just that's that's rough. And if you're if you're a guy that that uh, is doing like pregame and postgame, I think you know Hans and I will manage that this weekend. But you're talking about taking phone calls at one o'clock, yeah. two o'clock in the morning, and there are fans, and there are fans were calling. Like it's, it's so it's crazy. I, I don't I, I don't know that I like it that much. It is a little bit of the world that we live in, but can't we just figure out how to spread those games earlier on a Saturday afternoon? You see, that's the thing is I just don't see them fixing it because the television window and TV rules all yeah. and on and on and right. on. They got to have something to put on at that time, and yeah. you know they're not going to put uh, the the Miami Hurricanes on. You know, it's, it's so we're we're kind of stuck with it. So I feel like I probably should stop complaining about it because it's not going to change. It well, it, it's unlikely to change, but I think you have a legitimate complaint, and I share the complaint. So, do you think? Uh, I mean, who would you pick in this game, Frank? Can you pick the Utes? I mean, you, Arizona State is good. They are, they are good, and they do some things that Utah struggles with, as you point out. What do you think happens? Yeah, I well, it, it, Utah at home, uh, coming off an emotional kind of couple weeks, and I, I think they're going to have to, you know, I think it's a tough, it's a tough ask for Utah. I'm going to pick Utah in this game, um, and and for Utah to get a win, it's going to ha- you know Jay- Daniels is going to have to be off this game. Utah's going to have to force him off the spot, keep contain, force him into making throws that he doesn't want to make, and you know all of those guys probably probably will have to create a couple turnovers. Um, so I just you know I I just feel like this is a tough one. This is. This is a tough game for Utah. I like that it's at home. Uh, I like that the weather is probably going to be a little bit dicey. I think those fa- those things favor Utah. So, yes, I'm picking Utah in this one, but why? Well, I think it's going to be a, a tough, tough football game on Saturday night. Well, Frank, thank you very much for jumping on with us. As always, we we really appreciate it. Of course, absolutely, my pleasure. It's great to talk to you. Thanks, Jake. Thank you, Frank. That's our friend Frank Dolce, former Ute quarterback, longtime Ute analyst, jumping on with us, giving uh, his thoughts on on uh, the USC game. Of course, looking forward to Arizona State as well. Coming up next, we're going to let you hear from Boyan Bogdanovich and his uh, shoot-around comments today. Don't forget, Tanner Mangum joins the show at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. It is the big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is DJ and PK. Joined in studio now by Riley Jensen, football insider, former Aggie quarterback. I know how it works here, PK. You just go with whatever I say. You're kind of like the adversary. You don't really push against people. You just give them a nudge really, really far in the direction they're already going. So if I say you hate Utah State, you're like, oh, yeah, I can't stand those guys. (laughs) You're just like the adversary. Beelzebub in studio. DJ and Lucifer doesn't have the same ring. Sounds like a dangerous show, though. DJ and Lucifer. (laughs) Yeah, doesn't have the same ring as DJ and PK. It actually Actually doesn't change the show at all. It feels exactly the same. I'm a devil. What can I tell you? (laughs) Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Tanner Mangum will be on the show at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. Stay tuned for that. 
It's a game night for the Utah Jazz. Preseason game number three. Take it on the New Orleans Pelicans here at Vivint Arena. Tip-off coming your way a little after 7 o'clock. Pre-game coverage. Tim Lacombe will be here. Uh, that begins at the top of the 6 o'clock hour. Let's uh, let's hear a little bit uh, from Jazzman Boyan Bogdanovich as he uh, continues to get back from a shoulder issue. We'll get an update on that and more. Here you go. And I'm I'm excited for the for the season, but yeah, it's good good to be back. I mean, we're finally gonna have probably full roster beside uh, beside Rudy Gay that is still still out. But yeah, we are all kind of kind of excited that we are getting closer for the for the season opener. When you look back at last year, the amount of first quarter touches you got seemed to dictate your night, right? When everyone was injured, you had a ton, you had multi-double-digit multi first quarters. As you look back on that, how do you find a way to get in the game even if you're not getting those early touches? I mean, I know I know that I'm going to have a touches and I'm going to have a shot, but... but beginning of the game I'm trying to I'm trying to kinda kinda be aggressive and, and try to get in in the game with uh with some easy easy bucket or easy shot because I know on a on the fourth quarter when when the game is on the line then Donovan's gonna is gonna have the ball and he gonna he gonna decide obviously because he's he's the he's the best player but uh but like I said especially in the playoff the, the teams are adjusting so they they doubling Mike or, or Donovan so we all get, we all are gonna have a our shots, you just have to be be patient. Is there a different feeling or vibe, you know, entering today's game knowing, like you said, it's pretty much going to be a full team? Is there any sort of expectations or just more excitement? I mean, we are still working on uh, on our offense and defense, so it's not a big thing that, that the preseason games. But we are we are trying to to get better every single day, and then it's it's not the same to play on the workouts than against some some other teams and and see and see where we are right now. So we are trying to, like I said, get better every day. And tonight's game is going to be, it's going to be a great, great example what we are working on. Boyan, you and I talked last week, but are you gaining more and more confidence still in your body, wrist, shoulder, and just the mindset that you are right now? I mean, I, I feel great. Obviously, I had a I had a little shoulder problem. I'm not hundred percent, but uh, but overall, I'm I'm doing great. I'm, I'm I'm healthy, so it's it's good for me also to play these these two games to get my my cardio and my and my game back. So I know it won't be pretty probably because we didn't play for the for a while. But that's why we are playing preseason games to get uh, to get ready for the for the important stuff. Any idea how much you're going to play tonight, or just what the rotation is going to be like? I don't have idea, honestly. You got to ask me. <laughs> <laughs> you don't miss a lot of games historically. Does that mean you play through injuries a lot, or is this the most you felt beat up? Uh, this is the most I feel beat up, but but obviously I, I I love to play. I don't like to miss the games that I'm. I'm losing my my rhythm for no reason. So even even sometimes when I'm hurt or injured, I'm I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to play. So I don't I don't like to miss the games, even if I had a ankle twist or, or whatever, some kind of little injuries. So exactly, exactly. Yeah. Do you have that rhythm right now? I mean, do you have a sense of it before you get on the floor, or does it take a while? I mean, I played for my national team this summer, so I, I was I was for whole all summer in the shape. I didn't I didn't took uh, 
like couple couple months off or a couple of weeks off. So I'm I'm in pretty pretty good shape right now. Even the the shoulder injury kind of kind of take me away from uh, from a court, but uh, I was still able to to work individually. So. I think that it's our big advantage that we have a core group back again for the for for the third year. We had a, we had a couple injuries last season, so we were not able to perform the way we wanted in a, in the playoffs. But uh, yeah, we tweaked some some stuff offensively. Our defense remained the same because we were we were a good defensive team for the last couple of, of years. So with uh, with Rudy Gay and Eric Pascal and also. Also, Hassan, we got a uh, versatility both both offensively and, and especially especially defensively. So it's going to be kind of same team, but we're gonna we're gonna try to play probably probably faster and 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 a little bit smarter. What's I mean, just our our transition offense is kind of kind of different, and we don't, we have uh, some different set of set offenses, but uh, but basically we are great pick and roll team. So we're gonna gonna remain. Be like heavy pick and roll team with uh, Donovan and Mike and then Joe Handley. I think they were saying kind of more read and react kind of plays that you guys want to do. Is that the case? Or? I mean, we got a lot of smart players in in our group, so we are setting some some offenses, and then they are like hundred different different looks and and and, and reads from uh, from one set of offenses. So Queen is kind of kind of letting us to to read and, and and play our game and get get the best from from every single guy. I mean, I will. I'll try to be to be best version of myself. But we all know, and we have to know what is our 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 role in a in a team. The the. The last part of the of the last season, Mike and Donovan was out, so I needed to be to be more aggressive and I handled the ball more. Now when they are when they are back, I know it was my role. They're gonna handle more, and then I'll be I'll be coming off the staggers and, and waiting for for their extra shot and trying to get my my post up game. So like I said, we got every single player got to be starting in their role, and then we're gonna we're gonna be fine. We don't have to do any more than than we supposed to. I mean, we watch we watch a lot of a lot of film about how how good we we were before the after the All Star break, obviously, and then uh, then also a couple of mistakes that we made against against Clippers. But it's all on our individually. We have to take more more proud guarding one on one and not expecting Rudy to help to help everybody on uh, at the rim. So, like I said, we got to be take more more individual responsibility. All right, there you go. That's Boyan Bogdanovich. He's been dealing with a shoulder throughout camp. He's uh, going to be back. Going to be good to go. 
and uh, th- that's good. Bogdanovich, big part of what the Utah Jazz do, big part of why they are so very dangerous offensively, and have no doubt if the Jazz are going to be contenders this year that Bogdanovich is going to have to be a big part of that. Coming up next, we have the Not Sports Report. Tanner Mangum at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. And uh, well, maybe we'll talk Coach Lacombe into coming in a little early. We'll have Coach jump on with me at 5.30. Stay tuned. It is The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. It's a trip to the Lone Star State for the Cougars as BYU heads to wake up for a massive showdown against Baylor as the Cougars look to knock off a future Big 12 opponent. Catch the Cougar pregame show Saturday at 1230 with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Jake Scott with you, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us a part of your day. Uh, it is time, that time of the week, of course, to get a winner. Uh, be caller 12 right now, 855-340-ZONE. It's your Chevy Strong play of the game. Uh, if you were listening this morning at 8.50, DJ and PK announced the Chevy Strong play of the game. Be caller 12 right now and you'll win a Zone prize pack. It's the Chevy Strong play of the game brought to you by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers only here on the Zone Sports Network. It is time. For the Not Sports Report, brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles in inventory. Shop online, lhmusedcars.com. All right, Lloyd, I have uh, I have two stories. Well, actually, you know what? I'm just going to do one because I'm just going to read this story, and uh, you're, you're going to get a kick out of it, Lloyd. Well, maybe not a kick, but anyway. This uh, dateline, Titusville, Florida. And I'll just read right through this. Authorities say when they arrived to a four-feet-high flames in a Burvard County roadway, they found a man holding a sword and drinking alcohol. Deputies say they were on active patrol when they spotted the flames on Craig Avenue in Titusville around 2.12 a.m. on Thursday. According to police, the fire was in front of a man's home who they visited around five times in the past six months for illegal burns. Officials say the fires ranged from being on the sidewalk to taking up the entire street. Officials say when they went to speak with the suspect, a man by the name of Scott Taylor, he was sitting in his front yard holding a sword in his hand and had a knife in his waistband. 
Police say he was also actively drinking in front of them and began chugging from a half-gallon-sized Captain Morgan bottle spiced rum. Half-gallon of the Captain. Uh, Authorities say he dropped the knife and sword when asked but could not provide an answer as to why he started a fire in the roadway. He was arrested and taken to the Titusville Police Department. Police say while the man was in a holding cell, he intentionally broke a fire sprinkler head, causing water to flood the cell and booking room. The man was eventually transferred to the uh, Brevard County Jail. He faces charges of intentional or reckless burning of lands and felony criminal mischief. Lloyd, uh, first of all, have you ever done something stupid while uh, swigging from a half-gallon bottle of Captain Morgan? No. No? In front of the cops? Just a a half-gallon... Maybe a, done something stupid after a half gallon of. But Captain just Morgan. just pic, picture yourself if you're these these police officers rolling up on this guy who started a fire in the road. He's holding a sword, has a knife in his waistband, and a half gallon bottle of Captain Morgan. <laughs> and then he damaged the the uh, booking cell, kicked the the sprinkler off. Yeah, that's of not going to end good for you, no. pal. And by the way, there's a there's a picture of this guy uh, in this story. Doesn't he look like exactly what you would picture this guy to look like? Can you see? Yes. <laughs> That's exactly what you'd picture this guy to look like. That is there is something right wrong with the picture? Is is he tatted? He's not tatted no, on the face, no, is he? No, okay, tatted. no. Just okay. with, a, with kind of a, a stare on his face and a look that's like, I just want to set a fire. That's what that guy, that's what the look on that guy's. All right. This story, Lloyd, I don't know. I hesitate to do it, but I'm just going to do it. In Phoenix, uh, a lady, a 41-year-old lady named Miriam uh, Shekabus uh, was was shopping at the Circle K when she noticed a man was shoplifting. I miss the old Circle Ks, by the way. Okay, the random observation. They exist other places in the country. They do, I think. just not here anymore. Just not here. So, uh, Shekabus tried to stop him. So, the guy tried to push past her to run away. So, do you know what she did, Lloyd? Tell me. She shot him. Whoa. <laughs> she shot him. Wait. Yeah. So she's trying, she's saying, hey, pal, no shoplifting. He pushes past her, so she shot him. Uh, the shooting victim was not at the Circle K by the time police arrived, but he was later found nearby, and he was hospitalized with serious injuries. You don't say. Uh, she, Shekabus, was booked into Maricopa County Jail and faces an aggravated assault charge. That's, that's a little strong for... Uh... I mean, don't get me wrong. Shoplifting is not good. It's wrong, but I don't know about getting shot. Stealing some gum. It's not exactly an eye for an eye, is it? <laughs> some some citizen decides to take the law into her own Bam. hands and just shoots. <laughs> it's not funny, but it is funny. That's just somebody looking to shoot somebody. Just for just they want Now's to shoot my somebody. Chance. Now's my chance. He's shoplifting. Bam. I saw you put those Altoids into your pocket. That's it. Not going to be taking any of those Tootsie Rolls. Not my town. Five cents. (laughs) Not my town, pal. Bam.
shot him. So anyway, it, lesson out of this for me is, Lloyd, sometimes, you know, the, the, it's best to just let the, the police do their thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's all right. Don't get me wrong. I mean, like I said, shoplifting is not bad, but don't don't shoot the guy. Yeah, you tried to stop him. That's enough. Tackle him if you yeah. want. <laughs> if you want to do something, tackle him then. Your job You're is, just going to blast him. Your job is a citizen. You, you, you stopped him. You tried. He pushed past you. You lost. He's getting away with, Let uh, it be. with the Laffy Taffy. It's all right. You know, the the you know maybe do a police report. Maybe you could tell him what he looked like. I don't know. But but I but shooting him seems a little extreme. Although, if you live in Maricopa County and you're reading this story, when's the next time you're going to do any shoplifting? Yeah, no, I'm not going to. <laughs> you think the clerk was like, "Did you just shoot him?" Well, he was he was stealing the candy bar. Yeah, but you shot him. Why am I seeing my cousin Vinny? I shot the clerk. Wait, no, I I shot the clerk. Oh <laughs> yeah. Wait, I I shot the clerk? I shot the clerk. Yes. At what point did you shoot the clerk? <laughs> you know, I appreciate you you standing up for my store and all, but the, the, I don't think you needed to shoot him. Oh, my God. <laughs> Getting shot over just a little shoplifting over at Circle over K. Over at Circle K. Stole a hot dog and a... A Slurpee of some sort. Yeah, right. Some sort of squishy. You let them steal a slushy now. I mean, you're going to get walked all over, man. All over. Word gets around. It's best you just. Where do you draw the line? Best you just nip this in the bud. (laughs) Like, if you're the clerk of the Circle K, you can't exactly thank her. Can't be like, I mean, you're sticking up for me, I guess, but. As she's being hauled off, you give her a thumbs up. Yeah. Thank you. I just read this story. I was just totally caught off guard. Like, wait, she shot him? And it was one of those stories where I'm reading, like, well, this isn't news. A shoplifter. Oh, oh. There's the there's news. There's the news. There it is. There's the news. Blasted by a 12-gauge. <laughs> Concerned For stealing citizen. a Slim Jim. <laughs> All right, stay tuned. Tanner Mangum coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.